It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the 909 Podcast. It is Albums of 2022. It is our second part of our Best of 2022. Myself and Andrea Cleary are back once again. Last week we did songs. How are you doing? I'm good, Niall. I'm excited to talk about good. albums. Um, we are, this is part part two of three of our, of our trilogy of end of year uh, celebrations or commiserations or whatever way we want to look at it. Next week we're going to be doing yeah. Our podcast awards, which is my favorite episode of the year. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, I can't wait it's made it. up categories for for things that we want to shoot. It's just in nonsense. To talk about. Just Perfect. nonsense. It's great. It's we start just, with nonsense. You finish with nonsense. That's it. <laughs> that's that's and my in between, goal. There's loads of music. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so albums. So we each chose ten albums. We each uh, last week chose ten songs. You can go and listen to that on your podcast feeds. But I think it's fair to say, as we've 10 albums each and albums tend to uh, take a little bit longer to discuss, we probably won't be going yeah. as in-depth with every single one of them. Um, uh, and some of them I've spoken about at length quite recently on this podcast. So we'll be dipping yeah. in and out in terms of how much we talk about these albums. But these are for our, sure. For sure. Well, let's our, start uh, with um, uh, a couple of albums, maybe uh, from our ten to six kind of uh, area list. Actually, you talked about a band called Always last week, mm-hmm. and their album is here now. As we discussed last week, we've seen this um, on a lot of lists in the last um, couple of weeks, and uh, it's been interesting to see that. It's always it's always interesting to note what albums have been rising to the top suddenly mm. um, at when the end of year rise. When, when you didn't, and even other one later on that I won't spoil that. I want to talk to you about as well, but first let's talk about Always and Blue Rev. Yeah, um, so I spoke about it last week in terms of the song Belinda Says, which topped a couple of, uh, I think it topped the Pitchfork Songs of the Year um, list. And I just think this album, uh, 
it took me a little while to actually get around to listening to it. People might remember me saying that. And then as soon as I did, I was like, oh, this is... Uh, remember last week when I was saying like <laughs> that Harry and I were going through like one of the lists and Harry was like, do people not play guitars anymore? <laughs> like, I think always, it's kind of always to the rescue, you know? Um, and he's, he's a massive Guided by Voices fan. And he found a lot of kind of similarities between Robert Pollard's songwriting and particularly the guitar sounds um, and the way that always write songs and kind of hearing it through that lens through the past week as well has opened it up for me even more because there is a very specific sound to this album. It's, it's a little bit nostalgic. I think they deal in nostalgia really well and it's a little bit, you know, throwbacky in terms of those guitar sounds, but it's not, they're not doing anyone else. Do you know what I mean? They still sound like themselves as a band. Um, I haven't chosen Belinda Says again as uh, as the song to play this week. Um, instead, I've chosen a track called Easy On Your Own? Question mark, um, Which comes near the beginning of the album, I believe. Um, so maybe we'll have a little listen to that and then I'll tell you more about why I like this. So I think you can hear it there. It's it's like it's the construction of the songs that I love so much. And that's something that I talk about a lot with CMAT um as well. It's the kind of the attention that's paid to having a good intro, a good verse, a good chorus, a good middle eight, and then if you need it or if it calls for it, even a key change, which Belinda says has and is entirely earned and is brilliant. And it's that sort of like it's a really it's it, it's an album that really concentrates on stripping, you know, st- stripping away all of the kind of unnecessary bits that uh, I think a lot of modern rock music has, and mm, maybe unnecessary isn't is isn't the right word because obviously you can kind of do what you want if you're a a, a rock musician, but it's just that kind of you know ad- adherence to a structure that has worked for so long and trying to see what you can do from within that structure most of these songs come in at under 3 minutes uh, which is something that i really like in in a good kind of pop song and a good like you know pop rock dreamy rock song um because they don't need to be any longer you know um they're just that kind of like short injection of like what what the song is, whether it's something euphoric or something nostalgic or something, you know, imbued with a bit of sadness. It just kind of like rushes in and rushes back out again. Um, when, uh, when, when Harry and I were talking about this band during the week as well, like we were talking about how both Belinda Says and Ar- Archie Marry Me, which is from a previous album, are both so close to being 
like perfect songs in the same way that Teenage Kicks is a perfect song where there's not there's not a, a an additional note or melody or instrument or anything in it it's just it's everything that it needs and nothing more and i think that they write songs that are like just nearly as good as Teenage Kicks which is saying quite something because that's one of the best songs ever written you know um and it is it is perfect so yeah i think i i just think I, I chose this album as one of my favorite albums of the year because it is. Um, but also it's just, it's for the songwriting. It's for that attention to detail and it's for the restraint that they have in terms of keeping the songs nice and short and not, you know, hanging loads of bells and whistles off it, off it when they don't need to. It's just straightforward, good pop songwriting. Nice. Um, let's have another one from you because um, I'm going to put two together after yourself. So. Okay. Um, Let's go with the uh, Kevin Morby and the album uh, This Is a Photograph mm. and here's the title track. The year that you were born The year that you are now His wife behind the camera His daughter and his baby boy Got a glimmer in his eye See me say This is what I miss after I die and this is what I miss about being alive My body My girl My boy The sun Now time's the undefeated just a snippet of Kevin Morby's This is a Photograph, uh, title song of the album, This is a Photograph. Now, I actually haven't had the chance to listen to this too much, so please tell me how good it mm. is. <laughs> it's it's really, really, really good. I saw Kevin Mor- Morby earlier in the year, mm, I want to say like early autumn, in the Academy. And when I tell you, when he played that song, like it, it really it cemented it as like one of the best songs of the year for me. I did mention it last week because I just forgot. <laughs> but You're doing it I mean, the album, the the album itself is um is was was written kind of about Memphis and about kind of Mississippi and a very specific it kind of draws inspiration from a very specific time in in rock music and very specific place in rock music and there is you know there's a bit of country there's a bit of americana there's kind of you know good old-fashioned rock and roll on it as well there's a really beautiful song called is it Bittersweet, Bittersweet Ten- no, it's not. Uh, yeah, Bittersweet Tennessee, um, which features vocals from um, Aaron Ray as well, which is so gorgeous and so so wonderful. But he, I don't know. He he just sort of deals with that topic really really well. He he's not doing impressions of anybody, yet he's still managing to kind of, you know, encapsulate a specific kind of mood or feeling of that kind of. 20th century like late 20th century kind of like rock and country and a lot of the tragedy that is kind of imbued in a lot of those artists as well so it's but it's like it's so full of life 
the album, like in terms of how it sounds, like this is a photograph is the opening song on the album. It's a title track of the album. And I mean, I think you can even hear in, in that short clip that we played, like there's hand claps, there's like these really kind of fast paced, like plucky guitars. It's and it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And then eventually you get this kind of big moment of release and it's so well constructed and so you know, patient with what it's doing. And you find that throughout the rest of the album as well. It's a really rewarding album to listen to kind of straight through reading the lyrics, you know, properly sitting down with it. Um, I love it. And he just has one of my favorite voices as well. Like in terms of how he sings his kind of like speak singy. Um, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the, it's a German word, like spritz. Yeah. something yeah um i don't know <laughs> yeah it's one that you see written down a lot and I, yes, yeah is that it sure um but yeah he's got a beautiful tone to his voice he's an outrageously good live performer like he was just, he was wearing the most beautiful gold jacket that I genuinely thought about hanging around because I think it was like the last night of the tour or there wasn't much left in the tour and I was genuinely thinking about hanging around outside the academy and just asking him like look how much do you want for the jacket because I'm going to see Harry Styles next year and <laughs> I'd really like to wear that jacket to be honest but um but yeah Excellent live performer. Make sure to go see him live the next time he plays here or if anybody is living in other cities um, around the world where he might be playing soon. Um, do go to see him live because he is he is tremendous. And this album is is another great album from him because he's got previous albums, which are also brilliant. I just love him. Yeah, I, I only great. got into Sundowner, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the one I got into. Yeah, Sundowner, you and I, you, you and I were like, ooh. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I haven't had great. a chance to I really get into this one yet. So it's one of those mm. on the longer finger. I tried to fit it in for end of year stuff, but Sherlock, it's okay. Look, we're all busy. Yeah. Um, you know? All right. I'm going to pick uh, two albums in quick succession to start myself off. Uh, first one is Charlotte Didgeri and Ballas Popple, uh, Topical Dancer, um, Belgian duo. Here's a track called uh, Blenda. Go back to the country where you So they're a Belgian duo. Uh, the album came out on Dewey, probably, I think it was February or March or so. And um, yeah, they uh, make electronic kind of pop, very suitable to Soul Wax's label, as you can hear there. They do a lot. Um, Charlotte does a lot of vocals about, um, well, racism and uh, social media vanity and post-colonialism and cultural appropriation and political correctness and kind of Ryan a bit silly and also um, 
songs about wolf whistling, a song called Hit Me I've seen on a number of uh, a list this year, um, and Sene Pat on Cliché, and Cliché is a song about um, just using loads of cliched lyrics to make a pop out of it, which is kind of funny. Now, um, I'd like you to say the name of that song, and, and like, and but this time really, really give it your best friend. Oh, Ceci n'est pas un cliché. Yeah, yeah. We'll Beautiful. God, I used to do French oh. in school. Um, <laughs> that was bad. Uh, yeah, but uh, it was a really fun album. Um, yet to see them here live, but I, I believe they've been announced for Beyond the Pale next year as well. So uh, that is good news um, because that, um, that lineup has everyone in a tizzy. It's oh, yeah. like, it's really good. <laughs> it's they really set out their style lineup. pretty early on, huh? Yeah, Just Jesus. Announce everybody. <laughs> Why not? I'd say in about five, ten years, we'll be announcing um, the lineups for bands for uh, the next year's festival, the day of the festival. <laughs> Do you know what mm. I mean? It's going to be like, oh, we need to yeah. go. And the day after the festival, it's like you're coming home on the bus. And there'd be, uh, people or announcing. I wonder if, 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 if at some, some stage uh, there'll be like Primavera will be like, we're announcing Kendrick Lamar, and also we have an exclusive festival contract with him for the next five years. So you can only <laughs> see Kendrick Lamar at a festival at our festival. Like Vegas. little idea there for any <laughs> festival. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You just have a, like a kind of a residency. Wow. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Any festival people out there want to? No, don't do that. Employ me to <laughs> to be a consultant. Please no. Please ruin no. your festival. <laughs> okay, that was uh, Charlotte Didri and Ballas Popple, Topical Dancer. Uh, the other album I wanted to pick uh, and start me off is Eliza, A Sky Without Stars. I'm going to play a song from that called Me Versus Me. So I've mentioned Elijah before, uh, Sky Without Stars, Elijah, formerly, um, we we talked about it on this podcast, um, Eliza Doolittle, the pop artist, and Sky Without Stars is a really nice, like, moody R&B album, very much like in the in the mode of D'Angelo or something. It's it's just got that really lovely kind of everybody's in a room and they're jamming together with, like, very gentle music happening, and then uh, Eliza getting to do what she wants over it, and... Uh, you know, cats coming onto your uh, table and and giving you uh, lots of attention while you're recording podcasts. You know, uh, standing on your keyboard, Life. it's all happening over <laughs> here anyway. <laughs> but that was me versus me. I previously played a song called "He's the Moon." Um, I just think it's really lovely, and uh, mm. she does her voice is beautiful. Yeah, it just matches that. It's a real lovely, like, vibey album for sure. So, mm. and when I I went back to a lot. And also surprised by really because of the nature of it um, this year and how um, what she used to sound like, what Eliza Doolittle used mm. to sound like now is this. Actually, she was in Hen's Teeth a few weeks ago. I couldn't go, but um, and I think she did maybe a little set as well um, in Dublin and a signing and a, and a kind of Q and A thing. Um, but yeah, cool. uh, Eliza, look out for that. That's Sky Without Stars. Um, let's select a. Let's talk about an album now that. Um, Neither of us had heard till last week, right? 
because I have Neither picked. Neither of us had heard till last week. There was two big albums oh, in the last week. Oh, one of your right? albums. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm going to pick one. I'm going to. We're going to talk about it briefly. Um. So, uh, Lil Sims and uh, SZA were released in the last uh, week or so. Lil Sims is the album uh, that came out on Monday, um, this week. So very late in the game, but it is Lil Sims. Mm. So I was like, well, I have to listen to this. And I uh, just really respect artists who like fuck it up for us this much <laughs> where you're like oh for fuck's sake like two of them yeah yeah it was an I easy, respect it, though. it was an easy I like one though it. it was a nice day to arrive um the 12th of december i've spent most of the month listening back to stuff that's happened so to listen to something new is really good but especially as it was uh simbi was one of my favorites uh sometimes i might be uh okay. introvert is introvert the album uh from last year and it was one of my favorites and and obviously that album won the Mercury Music Prize this year. And therefore, you know, there's just so much going on with Little Sims. And I think this album has the feeling and the vibe of something that she really had to get out there and something that she wanted to address. Um, let's play a bit of a song called Gorilla now and I'll come back and talk a bit more about it. To get to the paper, hit it from Jamaica, might do me a favor. True. Big simmer, dipping ten toes in that ice cold river. Bank got bigger, been a different species. Tunes in a locker, been waiting to unleash these. It's a no show if you can't guarantee fees. I ain't got one threat to consider. Heaven and earth attached to one pillar. One, one. Rest in peace to Mac Miller. New Sims dropped to shake the whole shit up. What's next? We'll be here for months talking about prospects. Staying on my job, yes sir. When rain is against her, I'm river resistant on my polyester. Run through the jungle, they should have never let her. Cut some wounds, I hope never will fester. Mm, yeah, big art collector, silent investor, film director. Beating on my chest, going ape shit, putting in a grave shit. Ain't like what you make it, yeah, it's. Yeah, that's Lil Sims. Um, so the album's called No Thank You. And uh, the surprise, it's kind of a loose drop. And I think it really helps uh, the whole vibe of the album and, and how it sounds together. Because it doesn't have, I have to make those big grand statements. Uh, if the one thing that I love about uh, Sometimes I Might Be Introvert is its ambition, where it was kind of a bit annoying was the constant narration that was around it. And it was a bit long. And uh, But this isn't some throwaway thing. This is a looser and less grand album. Um, but what's great about it as well, it kind of encapsulates everything that another band, uh, Salt, who uh, the producer of this record, Inflow, for there were four, was there four albums, five albums released by Salt this year? And uh, they were all five, I think, released on the same day, five released on the same day, whatever it was. I yeah. remember now. Um, but I never really got a chance to listen to them either. But well, of course you didn't. They released five albums in the same day. Yeah, like, so that's, that's not That's easy. one surefire way to make sure that nobody <laughs> listens to five of your albums. <laughs> but, you know, the prolific nature of a band like that means that, yeah, sometimes when there's bands are so prolific, like, uh, so somebody gave out to me recently because I didn't include King Gizzard and The Lizard Wizard anywhere. And I was like, yeah, but they had like six albums every year. And I'm like, how am I supposed to fucking, yeah. where am I supposed to start with that? <laughs> like, And then I go in and I listen. I'm like, okay, good. It's really hard to, to keep up with that kind of level. Um, but somebody yeah. like Salt, I think what they're doing is so interesting. Inflow, I think it feels like this album was made in the studio with the same, with an orchestra and the same orchestra that made those albums, those instrumental albums, except for these mm. are all 
great tracks that are designed for for little sims to rap over um and she's great again like it's like the production on this is like oh this is so good <laughs> like they're so good mm-hmm. there's no if they're sampled it's it's sampling their themselves kind of thing you heard there that mm. song called Gorilla that has a Jurassic 5 concrete schoolyard thing that goes into that big brass um, on that song. Um, like, she's just so good at what she does. In the first song, Angel, she talks about, I think seems to be talking about maybe her management team. I can see how an artist can get tainted, frustrated. I don't care if your mental health is on the brink of something dark as long as you're cutting somebody's payslip pay and send their kids to private school in a spaceship. Yeah, I refuse to be on a slave ship. Give me all your masters and lower your wages. So she definitely seems a bit angry about the what's going on. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of um, lyrics about, you know, kind of trying to get better and, or, or to reach a higher peak of commercial success. And I think, if anything, she's learning from uh, Salt and Inflow, who have spent the last number of years releasing an album when they want, uh, however they want. Um, and after winning the Mercury, you know, there's not much for somebody like Little Sims to prove. She has a big, yeah. uh, she has a decent fan base. She can do what she wants, I reckon. And if she keeps doing stuff like this. Maybe that's where the album title comes from. Yeah. The, that no thank you, you know, that idea of like... You know, I'm not. I'm not quite looking for this amount of acclaim, but thank you. You know, or this type of acclaim, rather. Yeah, there's a song called "Heart My Heart's On," which addresses that kind of commercial ambition, and saying mm. uh, we all start off so pure, do it for the love, nothing more. Nah, maybe to cop mama house, but nothing more. Maybe I'll sort my cousin out, but nothing more. Maybe I'll get the new coupe and nothing more. Fifteen to a hundred shoes, nothing more. By the time you know, the list never stops growing, and you don't know what you even do this for. My heart's on fire. So there's lots of that kind of stuff. Uh, ballroom gowns as champagne pours. It's the after party, a social party. When everybody's talking, the music should have been paused. Um, so yeah, all about those things. I think she's kind of stepping back from the the uh, music industry uh, rat race in a way and kind of going, well, this is not something I want to do anymore and do my own thing. And she's well able to do it. And as well as that, there's there are songs in there about generational trauma and uh, um, broken as well as about mental health. Uh, one lyric that stood out was, man, this week has been tough. I've been saying it for a year. Um, and why is mental health a taboo in the black community? So there's a lot about that there. I think there's, there's, it only came out on Monday. But I think there's so much to this. And I was so impressed by this this week. I was like, wow, production especially um, really stood out immediately. But then, you know, she's one of those kind of rappers that you can just sit with and really enjoy. She doesn't. She's not, she doesn't talk in coded language. She's very straightforward in what she says and um, all the better for it in her, um, in what she mm. does. So yeah, a, a very late addition <laughs> to uh, my albums of the of 2022 list. So that was uh, Little Sims and No Thank You. Have you uh, listened to any rap albums this year, Andrea, that you really enjoyed? I sure have. I've got two. Will I put the two of them together? Because I think one of them is on your list. Yeah, well, let's do yeah, let's do the first one. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll do the other one first. Um, the album is Cheat Codes, 
And it comes from Danger Mess and Black Thought. And this is the title track, Cheat Codes. Like the women in peace shows, pay the price. Gamble with your life like Pete Rose. Bust a move, paper bubble like Wu Clicos. Who got the streets of Philly flooded like Puerto Rico's. You get McNabb like Donovan, it's Benito's. Theologists point to the trap house that got us in. Born take his name in vain like a phrobolomist. I'm the one to tell you what time it is. Never been in the selling your promises. It's hot as a pot of grits. That's not a myth. Blackness is not a monolith. A lot of niggas probably gotta see psychologists to understand why we wallowing where the bottom is. And common sense isn't what they're teaching in colleges. Shit is real when you done lost your last feeling. Jump and bounce back off the glass ceiling. Back to stealing. To Xanax and smack dealing. That's appealing. Go grab the kids and shield them. What hustler became an art? The mantra's man. So that's uh, cheat codes. Um, so, yeah, I guess this this album, in many ways, is kind of a long time coming. Uh, Danger Mess and Black Thought have been trying to kind of get together and work on an album uh, since they last worked together on The Mouse and the Mask, I think, which was two thousand and five. Wow, yeah, long time, um, long time, longer than you think, um, and. This album came about this year. It seems like a lot of people were talking about it the week it came out and then nothing, you know, like it got really, really good reviews. Um, and then I haven't seen it very much on, on end of year lists, which really surprises me because when it, when it came out, mm. I, I thought, well, this is, this is the best, certainly the best rap album or hip hop album that I've heard this year. I'll admit that I haven't like, I haven't listened to a lot of hip hop this year, but I've listened to a good bit. Um, this is definitely my favorite. Um, uh, and I think it's it's just that that sound that is, I suppose, reminiscent of th- that th- th- those sort of like doom and uh, e- even the, the the work that he's done with like gorillas, yeah. and it just kind of it's it's it, it sounds of a time while also sounding like quite up to date and quite. Um, quite important and for doom now. is on it too doom is on the album as well doom is on it uh on the track posthumously <laughs> presumably <laughs> unless he's found a way well, to, I, to i don't think it was posthumous from, when it was recorded from the other dimension <laughs> yeah so it's not it's, it's not <laughs> ai but presumably hopefully <laughs> but if anyone could do it it's doomed <laughs> do you know what i mean like <laughs> i'm sure he's, but, uh, he's spoken yeah, to enough mics that he could do uh, a series a series voice at this point yeah, but it's not it's not known whether whether he recorded it. Uh, so Doom died in twenty twenty one, I believe. Yeah, was it last year he died? January so it's year, not yeah. known whether whether he was. Um, well, we knew we found out whether January he recorded year. this. Yeah, it's not known whether he he recorded this, you know, specifically for an album for these two, or whether this is a verse that has kind of existed in the ether, um, and was you know just put up, put onto this record. It it could be true of either. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like it's being plucked out of the out yeah. of the archives and and used or manipulated in any way. It sounds like it belongs there, uh, and he sounds like he belongs there as well. And I just I don't know. Just the sound of this album is it's so rich. Like the the samples are so you know kind of like meaty and heavy, and I I I love how they sound. Um. It just sounds like good old fashioned hip hop album. Do you know? No, there's no no silliness. Just <laughs> I I don't know. I, I find it too. hard to talk about it. 
like tons of guests. Aesop Rocky, um, Run the Jewels, Conway the Machine, mm, Joey Badass. The Run Kid the Jewels Sister, track is really Raycon, good. Um, Aquamarine featuring. That's a great track. Yeah, that's a really, really great track. That's probably my favorite on the album. Um, yeah, there's lo- loads of guests on it, and you know, you you know how I feel about too many guests on an album. I don't usually like it. But there is such a cohesive kind of central sound to this that is always adhered to, no matter who's coming in or out of the tracks. Yeah, that it just sounds like a piece from start to finish, even though it's you know crossing through time and space and potentially the afterlife. You know, it is it, it's it's a really really great album. Yeah, um, I love it. And I have it's, another rap It's album one that may, maybe people didn't like yeah. get around to this year. Um, but it's worth getting around to it. It's really, really great. I, I listened to it. I kind of didn't listen to it for a few months. And then I, you know, putting together the list for this week, I was like, oh yeah, I must go back to that album. And I did. And I was like, yeah, holy shit. It would be insane not to include this on my end of year list. It's really good. So, I had a similar yeah. uh, feeling with another album um, that I had. Mm. We had discussed actually on this uh, podcast. And when it came out, um, it's the Billy Woods record, Ethiopes. Um I think because it's such a dense record, I didn't really go back to it an awful lot, but I, I went mm. back to it again this week. And Holy Moly is that an album to uh, get lost in. Um, how do mm. I describe Billy Woods? Actually, in fairness, for those I love as well, did a, a top 10, Dave Ball did a top 10 of 2022 and he included one of the tracks from the Billy Woods album this week as well. So I had had that in my head. It was like, brilliant, yeah, great. I really have to go back to that. And so 10th studio album from Billy Woods. Um, I'd never really got into his stuff before. He's a Brooklyn rapper associated with Backwood Studios. So other artists on that label include like Blockhead and Armand Hammer. Uh, this album is produced by Preservation. It uses Ethiopian and jazz music as a backdrop and it's spindly and weird and spacious. Um, here's a track. There's lots of guests on this as well. Here's a track called uh, 9X, um, which is kicked off with a Billy Woods uh, verse before there's loads of guests on this, but I'll just play the Billy Woods bit. Quinine powder and alcohol stir till dissolved. The future isn't flying cars, it's Rachel Dollars all absorbed. It's autonomous computers sending shooters back in time at the behest of default message boards. Translucent man award tentacles caress my paramour, implore the bitch to be sensible. The slave master children all looked identical. True, the future is children, but whatever future you building already look miserable. Natural beauty, savage Fenty, we strip mine minerals. The trailer is the movie Bobby Digital. Said he had a vision, said he had a system, said he was the one true and living, said he had a mission, said we in a prison. So that is 9X, a song from Billy Wood's album, Ethiopes. Um, so yeah, there's a good few guests on that. There's a real Def Jux vibe to me. Early 2000s, New York rap. And also LP is on this record as well. Like the one you were talking about with uh, Cheat Codes and uh, Black Thought and Danger Mouse. Uh, so this is a very dense album. It's a very lyrically um, dense album. There's a... As I said, there are guests like Mike Ladd, LP, uh, Despot, uh, Boldy James. But Billy Woods is one of those artists that I hadn't really got into before. This is the first time I've really got into him. He's already released another album called Church since then. And this came out in um, April. And uh, he used a lot of Ethiopian and jazz music as a backdrop. 
as I said, it's very eerie and sustaining in terms of its music. There's a lot going on here. The album cover is a Rembrandt painting. Uh, the first line is uh, references uh, a, a song called Asylum. It says, I think uh, Mengistu Halle Miriam is my neighbor, who is a former um, Ethiopian uh, ruler who was accused of genocide. And so this is where Billy Woods grew up. So in Zimbabwe, so he he's kind of already recounting this kind of um, very unique circumstance that he maybe lived beside, behind beside a, a house of a, a former uh, military kind of operative and uh, uh, guy who's basically being charged with genocide. And so so that's kind of where it starts, and you're immediately drawn into this world. It's like what's going on here? It's just like the lyrics, even on that song, are like. Whoever it is moved in, put an automated gate up, repainted brick walls atop, which now cameras rotated by eight, the place dark, one light burn later, razor wire like a slinky, rumor is parcel bomb took the secretary's right eye and pinky. You're like, a lot of words. <laughs> like, what's going on here? It's very immediately, we're in there already mm. talking about galvanized steel and all that kind of stuff. But there's loads of that kind of stuff going on here in this Billy Woods album. He's a very, um, he's one of those guys that you'd pour over mm. the lyrics on Genius for. Um, he really does go in on a lot of things. There's verses here talking about a man jilted in a hotel room with the ice uh, bucket. Um, all of the water has, you know, dissolved and into uh, all the ice is dissolved into water, and uh, the champagne sits there. Uh, talks about the prevalence of crack cocaine in uh, poor areas. White people taking tourist trips to the uh, tribes of Papua New Guinea. Um, the Stephen King novel uh, Christine about mm. a murderous car is mentioned uh, the slave trade in France there's so much going on here there's a song called The Doldrums do you know the Doldrums what the Doldrums actually is I did not know that what those, the Doldrums are no. it's an actual real place in, in the equatorial ocean where there's a little breeze and so as a result of there being very little breeze um, ships can sometimes get stuck there and so being stuck in the Doldrums means literally Ships can't go anywhere, and apparently the monotony drives uh, sailors uh, to extreme boredom, slowly eroding their mental health. So there's a song about that here. <laughs> um, but yeah, this guy. What did I think doldrums? Just never was. thought about it. I never thought about it. No, I in my head, if you said the word doldrums, I think of like a stone structure. What am I thinking of? Dol. Do- I'm thinking of something else. Mm. There's a there's a different thing. I don't know. Never mind. Like the, <laughs> like the Irish kind of. Yeah, that's drum. what I was thinking. Doldrums. Now, no, not a dr- like a stone structure. I don't know. Mm, okay, well, we'll figure that one out. Maybe it's just one of those things. But yeah, <laughs> Billy Woods is um, a very dense rapper. He's one of those like you really have to pour over every line and see what's going on, or or kind of figure out. He's one of those. Very, there's a great video on YouTube um, that this professor <laughs> guy has put up of uh, about this record, and it runs for like longer than the record itself because it's like an hour long or something. Uh, Billy Woods and the Harvest of Generational Trauma, Professor Sky's record review, and he'll be the first to like it's an hour and fifteen minutes talking about how he doesn't really know exactly what's going on, but he's unpacking it all the same. It's definitely one of those albums that you want to unpack. Um, even his ad libs are like. Uh, really clever at the start of one of the songs he's just like uh, swimming in palm oil out here and you're like I don't know if you like swimming in palm oil you wouldn't get far would you 
just those kind of things mm. you just like casually drops he's one of those you know lyricists that really you have to focus on and figure out what's going on and you're like whoa so it's actually quite a difficult album sometimes to this album sounds amazing i'm gonna listen to it over christmas because i haven't heard it yeah it sounds like it's right up my street yeah it's really good it's really really good mm. and it is one of those ones that's like you maybe won't be in the mood all the time for and i certainly haven't been a few times when i put it on but i was like the, one sure. of the last times i put it on i was like why do I like this again? And then other times I'm like, mm. oh my God, it's so amazing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those ones yeah. you have to be really in the mood for. It. And you, but it is, it is that world building stuff. It's like, even the music, it's all spindly and like spacious and it's got all the mm. weird, it's got like Eth- Ethiopian jazz kind of music as well. Um, but also kind of very minimal jazz and bass and kind of like lots of, um, yeah, lots of, lots of room for, for words to fill as well. So uh, really, really amazing mm. um, uh, album. And certainly one of the best rap albums of the year. Should we talk a bit about the uh, the other big, big rap album of the year? Um, see that it's on both of our lists. Uh, the elephant in the in the corner. The, the big stepper the uh, doing the everything. The big, the, the big stepper. That's what you could call an elephant. Yeah, let's talk about Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the big steppers. Um, where does one that was really one year? begin? Where does with this? Where does one begin? I remember back when we reviewed it, um, we sort of promised ourselves, each other, and indeed the listeners, like, oh yeah, no, when it comes to the end of the year, and we've had more time to listen to it, maybe we'll have more to say in terms of unpacking this album. Do you have more to say? Because I, do, um, I mean, I sure do a little bit because I went to the gig, but we've mm. already kind of discussed that as well. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, I guess if anything, um, going to see him live just reminded me that, yeah, this is actually a really good album. It's just really, it's a bit long, um, mm. uh, but, you know, and it's maybe it's a bit overwrought in terms of what he's trying to do, you know, uh, the Mr. Morale character. Is it a bit, is it mm. necessary? Does it need to be here? Um, it allows him. I like it. Yeah. And I think the more, the more I return to this album, the more I like yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's I think fair as well. That's right. But I haven't wanted to go back an where, awful lot, like, really, even though I recognize that he's, he's great. See, I get drawn back in because that opening number is so good. Yeah. United in Grief is, Those. is such a good intro he's very good first at two, choosing first the two. correct first yeah in 95 and you um, grief amazing songs like yeah, i went back over when, when the album was out again i was like or when when the gigs were on i was like there's not a bad song on this like there really isn't like Mm-mm. you weren't mad on die hard as a kind of the pop number i remember no i hate and that we cry together <laughs> is its own thing um like it's its own yeah. movie, movie the trailers movie. i love we cry together um I love it. But it is. I think it's one of the highlights. Yeah. And then there's lots of great stuff, which is a bit quieter on on uh, disc two, but it's still really mm. good. Like, it's really, really good. It's a really great album. I just still think that, that like, a song like Anti Diaries and the conversation that that inspired following its release and, like, you know, re- really asking people to um, to reflect on language and reflect on prejudice and what kind of prejudices might 
you know, live within them or within their communities and how to unpick them. I think that that, that alone was such an important thing for Kendrick to have engaged with. Um, it would have been easy for him to stay away from it, but he doesn't shy away from difficult topics. Uh, you know, there are once or twice, I, I remember you bringing it up when we were reviewing it at the time. There's, you know, there's one or two, I don't know, relatively concerning lines about like cancel culture or about, you know, the the sort of the moral value that we all placed on getting vaccinated, for example. But I, 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 I wouldn't want Kendrick any other way because I think that, you know, I, I think that his, his kind of very, very truthful engagement with these topics lends more sort of, lends more value, I think, when, when he does when he does engage with an, an issue like, you know, like the, the transgender community and how they are kind of vilified and the kind of the horrible stuff that they go through just, you know, trying to live life and looking at that from a perspective of somebody in a black community and the different kind of issues that, you know, being transgender and being black might have or being transgender and, you know, have be uh, like kind of, living within a black community might might have that is like slightly different from in a white community. I'm not saying one is more accepting than the other. It's just, it's different, you know? Um, and yeah, I think I, I think he deals with a lot of really important stuff on this album. Like I remember talking a lot about the kind of the, the father and son, you know, the, in, how he engaged with the, you know, the generational trauma idea on, um, uh, was it da- uh, da- he, he, he dealt with the idea of of uh, daddy issues on father time I think just so beautifully and in a really kind of novel and nuanced way that I just hadn't heard any other musician let alone rapper kind of deal with um, and yeah the more I return to the album the more I think that there's really 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 important stuff being spoken about here and we might necessarily feel the 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 importance of it in the cultural moment that we're in right now because everything is a reaction to something else and everyone is kind of hedging their bets and everybody you know you we all have to have an opinion on everything all at once. And if you're silent or if you do speak, you know, there's a lot of, you know, political ideas that come, that come with that. And I think what Kendrick did was just take himself away from the conversation, from the narrative um, about him and around him and really dig deep. You know, it's, it's an album about getting therapy. He got therapy (laughs) and you you never complete therapy. You never win therapy, um, (laughs) which is why it's bullshit. Um, But you know, you never, you you never get to be finished with things like that, but he did, he went and he, you know, we talk about doing the work and he's, he seems to be in the midst of that, you know, he's not coming out with this album and saying, ta-da, I've, you know, I've figured out all my issues. I've figured out what it is that makes me generationally the way I am or the way my community raised me that that makes me the way I am. He's not coming out and like making any, you know, kind of grand statements about these things, but he's just kind of saying, look, I've been doing the work. Here's where I'm at right now. And I think with a bit more time and a bit more distance from the topics that he is dealing with, the more political topics that he's dealing with, we might be able to appreciate the the kind of the personal work and the personal journey that goes into making an album like this. So I think like, yeah, it, it might be a bit 
low on you know the banger count but I don't need bangers from Kendrick Lamar I think I'm kind of past that in my relationship with him like I don't I don't necessarily come to him anymore for like for swimming pools or King Kunta, do you know what I mean? Which are both incre- incredible songs and very very political songs. Don't get me wrong, but you know I don't I don't mind this kind of more um, experimental um, side of Kendrick, and I think that it's something that if he continues down this road of dealing in in alter egos and different characters he'll continue to do really important and really uh really nuanced work because he's always played a character you know whether it's k dot whether it's the kind of the kendrick lamar character himself like he's always played a character and i don't want him to stop doing that because i think as a as a writer he deals well in character and narrative and I like the Mr. Morale character. The more I think of him, I think he's, I think he's a really important way to assess kind of, I don't know where, where he is in terms of being a black man in this culture and being a black man who is so celebrated by like, who is both celebrated and vilified by the white media, you know, on the one hand, you know, hip hop is being, and he dealt with this on Dam, hip hop is being blamed for, you know, black on black violence and all this nonsense. And on the other hand, he's getting a Pulitzer Prize. So like, I can't imagine what that means to to a a black man who is making this music um, on such a, on such a global stage where every single one of your, movements or every single one of your lyrics being poured over by people who love you and by people who don't like you as much so yeah yeah i don't know i'm, I'm rambling about no, that's fine i think we've covered we've actually is, talked about kendrick a lot so with that in mind uh yeah ta- talk to me about another album um which you don't need any bangers from um a band you don't oh. need any bangers from uh, arctic monkeys and the car you wouldn't want to be looking for bangers <laughs> Not going to find them here. You the might, car. <laughs> an old banger of a car, maybe somewhere in the distance, but not a not a, a, banger, not a song this of a is not. Yeah, no, this is a sleek car. This is a car owned by someone with money. It has a leather interior. It has those spinny um, hubcaps that <laughs> make it look like your car is going backwards. Um, and I don't know anything about cars. There's, um, uh, or driving about luxury cars, box for sure. Driving gloves glove box it's a convertible and if there's a lady in the car she'll wear one of those lovely scarves on her head you know it's that kind of car this is the car we're talking about this isn't your fate um yeah the car by um the attic monkeys which i will never not say in that accent and i do i i realize it's annoying and i, I annoy myself with no it. Um, never change i have <laughs> the attic monkeys don't believe the hype uh i've i've spoken about this album a lot and quite recently so i'm not going to go on about it too much but you know an amazing um step forward for this for this band i think it would have been easy for them to do the tranquility base hotel and casino sound as an experiment and then maybe move move somewhere else with it uh that wasn't as I don't know, potentially polarizing as the car was. But I think, you know, people talk about the car and about how it's kind of really loungy um, or that it's this kind of, you know, 
really kind of sultry record. But for me, there's there's it, it's those moments of like where it's injected with such life, with you know strings or with this big kind of like Paul McCartney sounding like bubbling over moments that I like. It's it's the orchestration I think especially which is so so brilliant. Um, and I can understand Arctic Monkeys fans who love you know, their first few albums being annoyed that they've moved so much towards the orchestration because every single member of that band is an incredibly accomplished and brilliant musician in their own right. But, you know, you have to grow up sometime. Um, so the song I've chosen, um, from the Kia, um, is, what, what is the song I've chosen? Big Ideas. I can't remember. Big Ideas. Yeah. So this song has, has that kind of, has a, a real injection of that, like, you know, that giddiness, you can nearly feel a giddiness in Alex Turner that he has an orchestra at his disposal. And it has a, a moment like that where he's like, yeah, let's get everything out of this. Um, and yeah, I, lo- I think this is, this is a great song from a great album. I just love those like bum 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 like if you had an orchestra that you were allowed to conduct <laughs> that's what you'd start with you're like come on let's let's get a bit of brass in here let's get the strings it's just oh it, I don't know I just find it so um such a rich sonic world um and that's not to mention his lyrics on it which I think have really come far um he is still dealing in the kind of the sexiness of success and uh but he's dealing with it in a way where he's maybe taking a bit of a step back and looking at it and seeing that things aren't quite as shiny as they seem or quite as glamorous as they seem um which i think points to a real kind of maturity or a maturing of um of the lads from sheffield so um so the next album that i want you to take uh, actually because i want you to explain it to me um because we've now talked about it before it is uh, the album from Alex G, and it mm. is called God Save the Animals. Tell me a bit more about this. Yeah, so this is an album that I've only come to in the past couple of weeks. It's been on my like long list of albums that I need to listen to because I like Alex G, and I like animals. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's as simple as that, folks. This is, Sometimes I, I mean, so it. <laughs> Sometimes it's as simple as that. And I came to it in, in kind of the perfect week, actually, because this week I, I read, I was reviewing a collection of um, a collection of essays that's coming out next uh, next February called, um, what is it called? I'll, I'll, I'll get the name of it now. It's, it's a collection of essays about the animal world and our interactions with them. And this is an album that is kind of, you know, about that. Um, it's about the animal world. It's about Alex G, who's a Philadelphia-based musician, singer songwriter and producer and it's 
it's an album of of kind of many voices, but it is it it is kind of anchored in his wonderful, wonderful vocals. Uh, the song I've chosen is a song called Runner, um, and it sounds like this. So tell me, um, Alex G, uh, the playlists are totally on point with uh, with your vibes that he features on on Spotify. Oh, sad on. indie, <laughs> sad girl starter pack. I don't know, and I feel so lonely. No, that's not an official Spotify playlist, but it is one that has twenty one thousand likes. And, oh uh, God, <laughs> it's a real um, <laughs> uh, sad shit from the depressing slideshows on TikTok and shit so positive. <laughs> crying playlist too <laughs> oh god so it's on, it, it features on that um so just so you know you're you're totally it's in your wheelhouse your, i'm it's in my wheelhouse. sad little wheelhouse my sad <laughs> what a sad little wheelhouse game. it's also in pumpkin spice too <laughs> yeah pumpkin look, spice. It's, it's very me i mean i'm i met up with um with Al McGuire of Juvenalia to record the Juvenalia uh, Christmas specials. Watch out for that next week, everybody. I do other podcasts. Who knew? Um, but uh, podcast and, multiverses, and that's it. My my multiverse of madness. Um, but he asked me. He, he was like, "Oh, have you listened to the Alex G album?" And I was like, "No, I know I need to." And he was like, "Yeah, I know I need to as well because we're both, you know, sad indie girls." Um, <laughs> So we 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 both kind of went away and listened to it and and both both really liked it but yeah it's it's a really lovely album it it really is like his lyricism is is brilliant you know there's there's bits on the album where he it, it it's it, it's not like he's like this is the story about a toad but it's like you know he'll he'll talk about like oh being being hit on the nose with a rolled up newspaper or like I I was good today. I didn't get into the kitchen and just sort of like, you know, view viewing the world in in a slightly like different through a, like on a slightly different kilter and kind of considering ourselves as animals as well, which we are. Um and it's it's an interesting way to kind of consider our own domestication and uh the domestication that we do of other animals as you sit with a with a, a you know, a an animal kind of probably wandering around behind you somewhere. Um, and as I and have one somewhere in the house as well. And don't know where they're gone now. Yeah, but it's strange yeah, creatures, strange, strange <laughs> creatures. And we live beside and them and among them. And we kind of consider ourselves to be very separate to them, but we're not, we're not really, you know, um, it's only yeah. our big, our big stupid brains that kind of make us think that we are. So it's, it's a lovely album to kind of think, um, to kind of think about th- those ideas alongside, you know, and, and it's also, um, 
he is quite personal in his writing, quite autobiographical in his writing. So there's that element to it too. But it's it's just a really lovely album. And it's not all this sort of thing. Like there's, there's you know, the songs that have quite like heavy, like auto tune on it. The songs are a little bit more electronic-y. Um, but none so much that they would cross over into kind of Nyler territory as opposed to Dre territory, if that makes sense. Right, we have, I think, about four each now um, to dive into. Maybe there is one that we agree on. <laughs> I think so. I think there is. Of course there is. It's been an album that's been ongoing all year for both of us, I'm sure. It is from Big Thief, and it is called Dragon, Dragon New, New Warm Mountain, Mountain, I Believe, believe in, in You. you. <laughs> Oh, uh, I mean, this is an album that's still giving to me anyway. It's, uh, and I'm sure yourself, uh, since mm. I mean, every time I stick it on, I'm just like, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. I think it's there. I think it's, I think it has become my favorite album of theirs. And yeah. I'm very surprised in a way because it just doesn't, it didn't feel like there was going to be that vibe <laughs> when I first heard it. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I was like, yeah, this feels like the Curio. But now it feels like the definitive statement from this band. I don't know why. I think, do you know what it is? It's, I think when, when an artist, either that you love or not, but there's, there's this thing that we have in music criticism where, you know, we're, we're obsessed with the idea of like short, tight albums. And when an artist pulls out a double, puts out a double album, it's very easy to be like, oh, we just, they need to trim it or it's too long or it should have been two separate albums or whatever. And I'm kind of getting like, I'm I'm sort of over that as it, like, don't get me wrong. There are albums that are too long, but I think that it becomes the kind of default rejection. Um, and the issue isn't with artists putting out albums that are too long. And the issue isn't with, um, music reviewers who are just like, oh, I don't have time to listen to it. It's it's with the kind of the, the the cycle of criticism that comes where you're like, oh, we need to have a review out like straight away. This isn't a new concept. People have been feeling this, this yeah. way for a long time. But I think that like an album like Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You, like it, it to me, you know, justifies a long album. Like this is a band that don't that haven't ever really had a genre do you know you, you can't really comfortably put them into a genre that isn't like you know indie rock or something you know as broad as that um i i, I like the idea that they're like yeah just let's put out an album of 20 songs and you know there might be 10 different genres on on the album it doesn't matter and i think with an album like this you know it's released early in the year we've had a long time now to sit with it and to really kind of let it marinate and I've I've found that throughout the year I've had different favorite songs or there's been kind of different albums that I've been, or different like EPs that I've been able to make out of it you know there's there's the kind of the country stuff there's the much slower stuff there's the the more like slightly out there stuff and I, to me that's like that's so much better than you know forcing a group to put out you know the 10 
just the 10 best songs on it or whatever so that it's like more cohesive an idea i don't need all my albums to be cohesive i don't need all my albums to be you know tight statements i don't i i i like sometimes to kind of wander and meander through different sounds with the same group of musicians who are just trying things out um and i think that big thief are for me the most like trusted musicians with whom to do that to where like if if a song starts with like you know like what sounds like drum and bass or something i'm like oh god but i trust them with it do you know what i mean like or 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 a song like wake Wake me up to drive or something like that where i'm like "Hmm, this isn't a territory i usually go into but i trust you guys i'm gonna i'm gonna stick along with you with this i think that's what makes this album so brilliant is that they just sound like they're having fun. They're trying new things and everything they try works. You know, they've probably got 50 other tracks. Well, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing about them. I mean, double albums are all well and good if you're not, um, like if you're as good as Big D mm. and you're, you know, even your bad, there's no bad songs. Even the songs that are a little less interesting are still like great songs. Yeah, that's like, it. Yeah. It's like they catch you in a different mood and you're like, oh, that's my favorite song. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was going to be my favorite one because they follow the, their, the song wherever it goes and they, they'll delve into whatever it, it, that song needs or whatever they feel like doing, whether it's like, you know, that kind of, um, barreling kind of early 90s um guitar sound that they have on this album um throughout and then or the strange you know finger picking weird uh what was it ticket picking mm. of time escaping yeah um infinity obviously a bit of a silly song but yeah. actually a great song but great like hold down hold down folk music uh With little boings dry roses it, like, really brilliant um but even so as, many good songs like when, when you put the record on and you listen to change and it's like the first time she she sings change like it's the first line in the song you just feel yourself just like relaxing into this world and there's just like sense of trust with this band that i don't have with many bands that are like putting out music as regularly and as frequently as big thief do like if they release you know if if they release five albums in a day next week I, I would be certain that I'd love all five of them. Do you know, like there's, yeah, they've really yeah. built up the sense of like the sense of trust with their fan base so that at this stage now they can kind of go off in these different avenues and try out these different sounds. And we're, we're just going to lap it up. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, give it to me. Like, because I just, I just know that whatever they're doing, they're doing it for a reason and they're doing it. And whether that, that reason is just kind of curiosity or whether it's, for uh, a, a passion that one member of the band might have about a particular genre or that's that one member of the band might want to might come into the session and be like hey maybe we should like play with this you know tape loopy machine or maybe we should try and you know use the use the strings as percussion elements or whatever it is they they follow it through to its to its most logical and its best conclusion and they're just they're so good at doing that they're just such a good yeah. band <laughs> <laughs> they're so good it's funny you mentioned that song um change mm. it, it was the song i turned to uh last week i think anyone who knows me knows that uh my uh my old my little dog uh passed away last week yeah. uh daffodil daffo and uh she had cancer and in the end and we had to put her down basically um uh very quickly because she was 
she was really disappearing. But when I was, I wasn't there at the time because my ex lives in Clifton, and that's where the dog lives most of the time. But when I got, I was, I was kind of on the call or on the, yeah, on the phone getting the word as it was happening, you know. And I knew she was going to pass, and uh, you know, as I often do, as as I'm sure most of us, a lot of us would do, they might turn to some music just to give you something in those moments of that afternoon. I think the first song I put on was Change by Big yeah. Teeth. And it just suited it so well. It just felt like the kind of magic that that band have uh, suited uh, something like really kind of devastating, but also beautiful, like a, a really lovely little pal that I had for 10 years who um, passed away in sad circumstances. But like, would you live forever and ever die while everything around passes? You know, it's just there's something, there's some gravitas Aww. to that that band and that song and how they sing it that just really made me feel okay so it was just really nice to have that and it was one of those like last minute kind of like you know i had a half an hour here when i just sat here playing songs that i was like just gonna play these songs for my dog yeah (laughs) you know it doesn't really make sense to but that's what that's what i was doing and it was like big t for the band i was like you know there there's a kind of a magic there um that speaks to you know, big topics, even if, you know, it might only be alluded to in the lyrics here and there. But yeah, yeah they're a real special band. They are. And, you know, all our love to anyone else who's lost pets this year. It's a it's a it's a type of grief that is not uh, kind of discussed enough uh, in culture, but it is a very, very sad thing to go through. But uh, all dogs yeah, yeah. go to heaven and Daffo is on the big beach in the sky now where she is just oh, yeah. non-stop barking. Um, Being an arsehole to everyone. <laughs> and, and anyone who's been listening to us since uh, when we used to record in your old office might have heard her on a few. Make, oh yeah, she was on, she's been appearance. on the podcast. She's been on the podcast. Once or twice. We lost, or twice. We lost a real one. So rest in peace, Daffo. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. yeah. We'll dedicate this, uh, this, this episode <laughs> to her. Like the water, like skin, change like the sky, like the leaves, like a butterfly. Would you live forever, never die? While everything around passes Would you smile forever, never cry While everything you know passes Death's like a door to a place Never been before. Death like space, the deep sea, a suitcase. Would you stare forever at the sun? Never watch the moon rising. Would you walk forever okay. in the light? 
Well, Dragon New War Mountain, I believe in you. I think it's one of those ones that um, I'm not going to get sick of, and I'm, I'm uh, still Niall, not sick of it. It's the album of the year. It's up there. It, it's one it's, of two. It, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think two. your other on one is any... the same as my other one, maybe actually. So. Um, no, or is I don't it? think no? so. Okay, no, okay, no, no, no. Um, yeah, no, I have a different one. Okay, um, but okay. Before we get to the, that one, um, we have a couple more that we've talked about with you, uh, especially mm. uh, previously. So that's t- yeah. My next one is a Welsh artist called Kate Lebon. Uh, album is called Pompeii. Uh, I really got into this this year in a big way. A couple of good albums in February. Uh, big Teeth was also released in February. Mm. Um, uh, so Pompeii, another brilliant record. Weird and discombobulating. And here's Remembering Me from... As Caleb on uh, Pompeii is the album, sixth studio album from the Welsh avant art pop artist. Um, it's got a lot of that smudgy, psychedelic, hazy pop thing going on. It's a bit, it's a bit um, off its axis in a lovely way. Uh, produced by Lebon and longtime collaborator uh, Samor Kuja. Um, I love all of this. It's a really great one to put on at any time. Um, it there's a lot of shimmering, kind of lovely, weird melodies on it, and. Uh, I really, I think this is the first time I really got into a, a Caliban, Caliban um, album in full um, all the way through. And Okay, I'll put these two, uh, these two albums together just because they're both uh, global pop superstars. Um, first one I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about it too much because everyone already knows my feelings about it. Uh, it's CMAT, If My Wife Knew I'd Be Dead. It is the best Irish album of the year, um, uh, in my opinion, and it's and also mine. Yeah, seems <laughs> as I've as I as uh, you recently uh, published calculated today. Um, yeah, the best Irish thirty best Irish albums list of the year is published on Nine Nine Thirty. Go and look at it. Go and argue with people like people do in the Guardian comments. Um, no comments anymore. Turn good. them off. Good for you. That's excellent. That's self care. <laughs> it was mostly because it was just spam. To be honest, spam yeah. was just taken over over real discourse. Same with Facebook, actually, at the moment. Anyway. Facebook. God. Um, anyway, see, Matt. Uh, if my wife knew, I'd be dead. Look, there's nothing I can say about this album that I haven't already said. It's meant a lot to me this year. Um, Okay, well, simple question then. Why, if somebody hasn't heard this yet, why should they listen to it in very briefly? Um, because it will, it will reassure you that people are still writing well-structured songs. Like, it will 
reinvigorate your love for country music, for well-written songs that are like the Always album, just, you know, perfect, no more than they need to be, but exactly as much as it needs. Um, it is a album that is both kind of laugh out loud funny at times and also just completely devastating at other times, sometimes all within the same line. Look at a line like always the cowboy, never the cow. Hilarious, very sad, you know. Hilarious and sad is kind of her that's MO. The, it? It, like that's her MO. Two sides of the yeah. same coin. And she's, she yeah. sings. And Entertaining and melancholic at the yeah. same time. And I think what, what a lot of people getting get out of listening to Seema and what I get out of listening to Seema is just a sense of perspective, a, a very particular kind of Irish millennial, zillennial, may, maybe slightly younger than millennial, but zillennial um, perspective of, you know, just feeling a bit at odds with your place in this country, uh, like, you know, due to your age, um, you know, just baby, I just want to own a house, uh, wear some Laura Ashley as I'm going out, you know, just those, that, that idea of just feeling displaced even among your peers as well. Every bottle is, is my boyfriend, a song about the feeling you have that, you know, the fear basically the day after where you think that everybody is talking about what a show you made of, of yourself last night. But then the saddest part of all is that nobody's actually talking about you and nobody actually thinks about you. And it's just those particular perspectives into the, the, the smaller, and much more private insecurities that we have um, as people who are figuring out adulthood and figuring out what relationships look like in adulthood, like romantic relationships, friendships, you know, whatever that might be. She she has a, a way of writing about those sorts of interactions and those sorts of, you know, personal and private conversations that we have with ourselves that makes all of it feel so much so accessible and makes you feel like you're not alone in any of those things you know and that actually what she's doing especially in her live shows is kind of curating a space in which we can all just kind of have a laugh about it we can all just laugh at ourselves and how ridiculous and dramatic we're being while also giving space to those feelings of insecurity and loneliness and she does it all just so so well she's so smart like her fans get her and she gets her fans like there is a specific kind of thing that happens with 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 somebody like Seema at this point in her career where she has she has these like deeply deeply devoted fans but she's she's kind of still small enough that she's able to have that relationship with them. I think we saw this a bit with uh, self-esteem last year as well. Like b b before the, the album kind of, you know, grew bigger and bigger and bigger. There was a lot of interaction with her fans on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever it was. See Matt, you get the same thing. Like it's, it, it's music that appeals to a lot of different types of people. And, and you'll, you'll know that by going to a CMA show that there are lots and lots of different types of people like queer community lover women lover like older women lover teens lover you know it's it it, it, it kind of crosses you know all, all these different kind of barriers and boundaries because it unites everybody in this kind of commonality and this idea that we should actually be laughing at ourselves because we are being very very dramatic most of the time and that's 
that's a nice message. That's lovely. And yeah, I just, this album's really, it's been there for me this year when I've, when I've needed it, like during low points, but it's also there, been there for me this year when I've been celebrating and when I've been, you know, having good times and it's, it's an album that's there for kind of, you know, the good and the bad. The better and the worse. Mm. But for better or worse, I would marry this album. <laughs> the honky tonk woman of the GAA, uh, which is honky tonk girl of the GAA. Ah, oh, what a good line! It like it's she's just it, and that's the thing. She's like it's it's like I don't know what what's a good example of of something like that. It's it, it's like like early season Simpsons where it's just joke 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 joke, but. It also has the heart of early season Simpsons. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like where it's Ma- Maggie saying Dada. Do you know? It's like there's an essay in that, and I will write it someday. But like it, it, it has that that humor and that darkness in perfect proportion to one another, um, and it is joke, 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 and and so funny and so Irish. You know, the Marion Keys of it all. Like that's what a line, what an amazing line, because we all know what that means. Uh, we, we, we know what that means. And especially as like a millennial woman, I'm like, yes, the Marion Keys of it all. Indeed. Do you know what? I needed to take some time away from uh, CMAT because I guess we'd been earlier this year when the after the album came out, it was just, you know, we were kind of CMAT. I was a bit CMATed out in terms of moving from mm. all of the singles and all that kind of stuff right into the album. You're like, great, the album's out now. Mm. And it was nice to go back um, very recently. And that's why I put the album at number one, because I was like, well, I mean, it's divorced enough from those single releases now to listen to them all in one mm. go. And you're like, God, they're such good songs. They're all just yeah. such good songs. You know what I mean? Like, brilliant. They're absolutely yeah. brilliant. Let's play a bit of uh, Two Wrecked Care, which you had on your list. Um, oh, this, this song is mentioned yet about the CMAT album is that the arrangements are just unbelievable. They're 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 just really they 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 feel like they were always part of the song, you know? And as I've mentioned before, like I saw some of these songs being uploaded to her YouTube, you know, back when she was writing them yeah. in her in the yoga studio that she was renting, you know, there was a communion and um I think KFC and what else was there was a couple and and i want to be a cowboy baby um were written during that time and she put them up with just herself and 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 the guitar and i i 
I probably at the time was like, oh yeah, no, this is how they should be sung. They should be acoustic. But there's just this uh, this whole new life that's given to it. Like I think in To Wreck to Care in particular, that's like a beautifully arranged song. Yeah. Um, and it never overtakes her. Like you can't overpower her voice, you know, like she's she's got such a such a specific tone to her voice and like, oh, she's just she's great. Yeah, produced with Ollie Deacon, who obviously um has brought um something to this as well in terms of the arrangements yeah, as well. So brilliantly. Um brilliant. fair play as well as Kira Mary Alice Thompson. And uh okay, I'm gonna pick a since we talked about CMAD, uh, very quickly, I forgot to include this. And seeing as it's an Irish album, uh, I'll briefly talk about it. This is uh, the Mary Waller- Wallopers self-titled album. Here's a song called The Night the Guards Raided the Homes. The pinch. Peter Short finished off the last eighth of an inch. He was sucking since 20 past seven. And the music began in an old-fashioned style. You would travel to hear it. For many's a while We were laughing and dancing The way all the while I thought I was dead And in heaven There were lads there from Newry The Rock and the Hank And some came from Belfast That never went back And more lived convenient The carols and blacks And every man jacks Little and porter some came from Hill Street and more from the case of Cross McGlen, Patriots tearing away. In the scheme done the mind, they were all in the ray, and each one kept themselves in good order. A big dirty guard was out on the street, and passing the door, heard the music so sweet. And he kicked up his heels for the beat a retreat And to summon up two of his cronies They quickly returned to the scene of the crime And they called on the company to fight or resign Let the men cry, Pat Murphy, we'll only be fine On the night that the guards raided onies Said the sergeant on entry What's this I see? Or why are so many of ye on the spree? Could it be that at long last the country is free? Your conduct is most nefarious. Oh, the country's not free, then only did say. If you want to drink porter, like the rest you must pay. We'll stay here if we like, till the clear light the day. You know in Dundalk we're precarious. A bit of the story there from the night that guards raided only uh, Dundalk pub. <laughs> I really love that. There's a great bit where uh, it goes on and says uh, uh, all of the things that they, they wish to, on the guards who took their names that night. <laughs> uh, but that's the uh, Mary Wallopers, um, as they have done throughout this album. There's a lot of drinking songs on this. Um, it's uh, Charles and Andrew Hendy and Sean McKenna are the main uh, three in the band. Now was Seven Piece Live. Um, they've been doing this album was recorded with Chris Barry in uh, uh, Alfin Studios in Dublin, and it's basically keeping up the decades of rich uh, history of Irish drinking songs. Bash the Brits, the Rich and the Guards, and a lot of talk about drink. and uh, And I did t- talk last week about the more solemn emigration ballad uh, building up and turning England down but generally this is just fun cheeky chappy 
lovable brogues, <gasps> uh, uh, lovable rogues, and in there with their Dundalk brogues, uh, really just uh, having a bit of fun, bit of crack and divament, and it's a very good uh, kind of folk album. And they they do this so well because I think they have that in them. Anyone who's seen TPM or uh, anything that they've done previously, their live streams, they have divament. they have a divament and a charisma that. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. it comes across in these songs when they're doing little accents and, and having a bit of fun. They have a great comic timing and all that stuff. And it mm. really does help when you're, you know, you're writing or you're singing silly songs from the past uh, in a lot of ways, uh, but also very seriously. Uh, but I went to see them in the National yeah. Theatre or National uh, Stadium a few weeks ago. And it just felt like I was back in the 70s in the venue and the vibe as well. It was great, great yeah. fun. So that's the Merry Wallopers that was one of my Irish albums of the year. Uh, one of my last 10 then before um, my last album is from uh, Painless from Nalufar Yanya, which is um, one of those albums that was kind of an interesting one for me this year. I have listened to it. I actually didn't like it at first. It was one of those like, oh, I don't know about this. And I didn't either. And I haven't gone back to it. Right. So I'm interested to hear you okay. talk about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't have an awful lot to say about it because I didn't write anything <laughs> about this, but I do, <laughs> I will say, um, you know, I loved her first album and it had that kind of conceptual Me stuff too. going on a lot about mental health and wellness and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this one's a bit more uh, direct, but what it, I think what it doubles down on um, is her ability, Nalufrianya, to write these strange, uh, controlled, nuanced songs um, with the cadence that she does and how she delivers them. I think she's just unlike any, anyone else in lots of ways. And mm. it's not like there are songs here that kind of barrel along a bit as well that like suddenly you're like, oh, well, what's going on here? Um, Stabilize is one I think of a lot. Midnight Sun with a bit of a Radiohead vibe. But mostly it's just like weird songs which which don't probably have drums or sometimes they do. Um, it's just, it's a weird album. It's a really good album. It's one that I probably need to give a little bit more time with still. Um, but I was going back in again this week and I really enjoyed it. Here's a bit of a song called Try from Painless from Nalufria. Yeah, it's painless Nilu for Yanya. Definitely go back to it. Um, it is when it strikes you. I think it's a. Uh, it's one of those ones that you're like, whoa, okay, yeah, perfect. Um, and it's been doing that for me at the moment. Very good. Um, so my second to last uh, album is from the 1975. It's called Being Funny in a Foreign Language. I spoke about it a little bit last week when I spoke about the song, um, part of the band. Um, but I wanted to. Just give a little nod to the album, actually, this year. This is this is an album that, um, despite what I was saying about, you know, lengthy double albums uh, and how we, we're all like, oh, it's too long. It needs to be a lot tighter. Um, that's something that was leveled at the 1975 
especially on their previous two albums um, before this one. And they've kind of, they've chopped this down quite a bit. Um, and I do think it's, it's, it's more album like for it. Do you know what I mean? It's less sprawling, less of a kind of a, you know, arena for ideas and more of a statement. Uh, the song I've chosen to play is uh, fast becoming, uh, the more I listen to it, one of my favorite songs of the year, which is not nice since, you know, I already chose a different one of their songs for my songs of the year last week. But look, this is the nature of this time of year. Um, so the song I've chosen is uh, Looking for Somebody to Love. And I'll talk a bit more about it after, but here it is. I mean, I defy you not to dance. Um, Niall and I both had that song. L- little boogie there. Yeah, it's a great song. And it's a song that like in perfect 1975 fashion is, you know, a, a an indictment and a kind of a severe criticism on the way that uh, the media reports um, school shootings in, in particular. Uh, it's a song that is about Elliot Rogers, who is a incel who... Um, <sighs> Oh, you know, I just shot shot a lot of women because they wouldn't have sex with them, and um, that's you know the idea of the supreme gentleman is is a is an incel idea, and you know when you when you listen to the song you're like woo yeah it's it's all that. yeah but when you read the lyrics you're like oh this is incredibly sad <laughs> and and they do they do that thing so well where they you know they're 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 doing an impression of the media here you know of the kind of the the frenzy that surrounds uh, these kinds of ideas and these kinds of instances when they do happen. And I apologize for using um, the shooter's name there. Actually, I know that that's not something that you're kind of supposed to do, but we're, we're not news media. Um, and I don't think we've got many insults listening to us. Um, and if we do fuck off, you're not welcome. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I, I just think this, this, um, this song is re- just really, I don't know, just really affected me over the past week. It just really, it, it got me actually quite emotional listening to it. Um, and I think the 1975 are, are an amazing band for the times. I've spoken about this before, but I mean, like there's, they're all over my TikTok at the minute, um, obviously, because um, I'm a millennial woman and that's my algorithm. But um, Matty Healy was speaking at a concert recently about the idea of him being you know, this kind of spokesperson for the left um, and kind of being pushed into this this idea and how the left don't really have a um, an appropriate or a feasible um, role model for young men, um, whereas the right do. Um, and I think that that's an idea that he's unpicking on this album. Like, 
you know, as, as, as a recovering heroin addict, as somebody who has been through a lot in his personal life and has had to overcome, you know, a lot of, you know, personal issues mm. and strife and, you know, overcoming addiction is not an easy thing to do. And then to be kind of pushed into this arena where, you know, you're, you're expected to be perfect all the time. And there's all this kind of this weight of, you know, the culture wars and what role you play in them and so on. And I think if you look at clips from, from the, from their recent gigs, they've been, you know, at times kind of satirizing themselves being in that role at other times kind of playing into that role a little bit more. I still maintain that they're like probably the most interesting pop band to come out in, in decades in terms of how much they actually interact with what the cultural conversation is. Um, and I think this album does it in much more subtle ways than, um, than their previous two albums. Um, but I mean, there's still the idea that those ideas, like, I'm sorry if you're living and you're 17, you know, there's, there's this idea of dealing with like school shootings and, um, just, just the stuff that you have to actually understand and think about when you're a teenager. Um, not to mention all of the, all, all of the work that they've done in terms of writing music about the climate crisis and, you know, uh, giving Greta Thunberg, like, uh, a moment for like a state of address on the, the, the opening songs of one of their previous albums as well. Um, I just look, lo love them or hate them. They are like a very, very important part of the kind of the pop culture, um, engagement with more serious issues. Um, and I think they tow the line as, as, as well as anyone could expect, um, a group of white men to toe a line like that in in the kind of the current conversation that we're having about them um, or about about all of these things and the current conversations we're having about, you know, white men in in the media and, you know, their role. It's it's, it's very funny. I saw a, a video where so he he'd brought up a few different people at different gigs and kiss them on stage, right? And like, like Robbie Williams used to do or <laughs> whoever used to do, you know, and like properly kiss them, like men, women, whoever. And um, then <laughs> at a gig, he, he, uh, someone had a sign that said like, kiss me, Matty. And he was like, oh, I see your sign there saying kiss me, Matty. But um, the internet says that's grooming. So, <laughs> and then he just goes, so I guess the question is, who wants some fucking grooming? <laughs> just like, why are you doing this? Why are you like, why are you like this? But I think that there's, it's, I, I don't know, it's maybe pointing out the kind of the, the inherent ridiculousness of expecting pop stars who who we want in this one camp this one camp of like you know they're like sexy and dangerous and you know we we want them to have that like that edge about them but we're in a we're in a time now when that edginess you know it, it, it can border on something more sinister and he's sort of towing that line like with very, very heavy feet, <laughs> very heavy handedly, like on purpose, I think. But I think that it's, it's just fascinating to watch. Like, and I've no idea what side of things I'm like landing on. I'm just sort of like looking at it and being like, well, uh, you know, at least he's engaging with it. At least he's talking about it. At least he's talking about the idea that like, you know, his awareness, maybe his awareness is there. For yeah. Sure. I don't know, like maybe, maybe saying that, you know, uh, <laughs> a 
a pop star bringing up a fan on stage and kissing them is grooming might be you know an overreach in terms of the word grooming you know yeah. um but anyway i've gone i've gone off topic no, the album, I really but the album i think is is <laughs> <laughs> i just find it all so funny i really do um but um but they make yeah, event the music really you know great. what i mean event music they for do. their gen- for That's generations and look and like it's it and it's connecting with people that aren't even only in the generation that um that that they're kind of you know talked about being the representatives of like this is a millennial band whose fans are mostly you know gen generation z or millennials but like if you i don't know if you've if you've watched much of um justin hawkins no i haven't actually no so he he has a youtube channel now yeah i heard and uh, he's he's done a couple of videos. It's a really nice channel. He's really lovely, uh, and I'm really happy that he's like around because he's he's so lovely. And I'd listen to him talk about music all day. But um, he's done a couple of videos about the 1975, and um, in the comments, and he he really likes them. He's like, you know, he he loves that they're bringing all these kind of these cl- these classic influences, the synth pop, the a lot of like Peter Gabriel, a bit of Talking Heads, all of that stuff. And he he talks about how how they do it really well, and I agree with him on that. But if you look in the comments, like it's like, oh, I'm a 50 year old man, and you know, I haven't liked pop music for years, but I really love this band, and I love what they do, and blah blah blah. And it's like they're they have this kind of you know, this appeal that is cross-generational, I think, because of their use of very kind of like retro influences. Um, but they don't sound like they're doing an impression of anybody. Like, yeah. whatever your opinion is on Matty Ely, he is a pop star. Like, and he's a pop star in the classic sense of that word. Um, and yeah, I just think it's, I think it's all very interesting to watch. And I watch it with uh, with great interest. Very good, very good. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're down to our last two now. Um, okay. And so I will go first. Uh, let's okay. hear a bit of a, possibly my ultimate album of the year. This is... And of course, is Rosalia. Uh, album is called Moto Mami. That's La Combi Versace with Takisha on uh, the at the end there doing the rap. Um, not a song I've, I'd play here before, so I thought I'd play that instead. Of any of the other songs, the many other songs on Moto Mami, which uh, I would describe as some sort of a pop fantasy uh, album. Really, it's kind of got a bit of everything. Um, you know, 
anyone who's listened to this before knows how much I loved uh, Rosalia's El Malquera. I mean, essentially, that was a long time ago. It felt like a long time ago. Sonically, it feels like a long time ago. That was um, flamenco-based. But since then, obviously, Rosalia has collaborated with loads of people, has done loads of Lucy's and all this stuff. Finally then released uh, Motomami in March. Um, and I think it really encapsulates everything she's been doing since then, but also moves that story on a bit. It's got a bit of that flamenco stuff. There's a like a very lovely, gorgeous ballad on this, but most of this album is just dipping in and out of, of different kind of styles, whether it's like... Um, uh, Dembo or uh, like a genre in, with Afro-Caribbean influences um, there are uh, other like a Dominican genre a Bachata with uh, The Weeknd on it, La Fama, really lovely song there's lovely ballads uh, Sayako which is a free kind of weird jazz song, there's uh, Reggaeton with uh, Chicken Teriyaki um, there's lots of weird, great beautiful songs on this and that's what I think she does so well um, and her voice is incredible. Um, it is one of those things that I watched that um, the TikTok video she did. Did you, did you see that when it first came out? It's on YouTube, actually, and it's worth watching. It's on her YouTube, but it's worth watching on your phone. It's like a 28-minute performance of songs from the album. Um, mm. It's really wonderful. It's just like, uh, and it's great because it's like, it, it's it's kind of like you're supposed to watch it moving your hands around when because it kind of changes orientation and and does different things and i think it's just speaks to the level of detail and attention that she has with her craft and how she actually makes music and it's it's also like brought to a live stage as well but i mean i'm yet to see her um i know she's playing primavera next year i'm probably not gonna go but i hope to see her at some point but i think she's just one of those like vanguards of modern music that is bringing different styles and different things in and doing something completely different and she doesn't speak english and it doesn't matter and you really mm-hmm. don't give a shite because it's like that's important it is important is like important. i mean i don't really know, you know what she's singing about a lot of the time unless i go and look at the translations yeah. but the intent and the meaning is like so palpable to me about how she sings mm-hmm. that i'm just like it does not matter and yeah. everything about her is just um she's cool as fuck and she's brilliant in every way and you're like well and you love her <laughs> no actually but you know i mean she is like she's so fucking cool and you're like well and she's making the coolest music as well and yeah. she hasn't done anything to you know bow down too much i mean she's done some songs with people like travis scott on the weekend but the weekend here is like he sounds like so good doing that style Mm. of music and and then she just dropped another uh, like once off kind of latin track uh, uh as a kind of a bonus one on the motomami deluxe version in july despecha uh which is on that now i just she's just brilliant and i think she's just uh, a real pop superstar alien superstar you might say speaking of which go on from one pop superstar who is, you know, traveling through the world of different influences to another. Um, an album that, if you remember, I was very unsure of when it first came out earlier in the year. Um, and only in the past couple of weeks, this is what happens around <laughs> this month. You know, you, you go back to an album, and you're like, right, fine, I'll give this another go. Um, only in the past couple of weeks did uh, Renaissance by Beyonce actually kind of click with me um and because it did i'm like ah thank god now i know why everyone else 
loved this so much. And it just took me a little bit of time. Um, I think it came out at a time when I wasn't like thinking about like, I'm still not thinking about clubs, but like, you know, I wasn't <laughs> thinking about like dancing with friends and things like that. Um, whereas now I'm a little bit more open to that idea. And I don't know, just listening to it in the past week, it just, it just hit me in a new way. And it, it made me want to dance. It made me want to like move and just celebrate. Um, and yeah, so I've chosen Alien Superstar, which was my favorite song on the album initially anyway, but, um, I still think it's just, Oh, it's a masterpiece. I love it. Category. Bad bitch. I'm the bar. Alien superstar. Whip, whip. Too classy for this world. Forever I'm that girl. Beat you time and impact. Oh, baby. I'm too classy to be touched. I beat them all in dust. I'm still chewing my she did yeah i mean i'm not somebody who is like overly familiar with like the history of like house music i think that's pretty well known but i think what she does is just inject like her her sound with all of these like really really interesting influences you know we get the c word out of her which is great <laughs> um which louise bruton mentioned in her uh yeah, top, that's right. yeah, uh, top tracks um I, th- I, th- I think she said like uh, you know we, we we wouldn't have imagined that uh happening back when dangerous <laughs> or back when dangerous in love dangerous in love, yeah. uh came out um but yeah it's just an album that is just so full of like joy and joy about community as well you know it obviously has a lot of you know queer history embedded within it uh within the sounds and within who is featured on the album and who is lifted up by the album um it's just yeah it's like i I didn't expect it to to hit me kind of in the kind of emotional way that it did in the past week. Like there were, there, there's moments in the album where I was like, Oh God, this is actually quite, quite um, emotionally um, uplifting and empowering. And I love that from Beyonce, you know, and I think I, I, I recently watched homecoming uh, cause Harry'd never seen it before and he put it on the TV. Um, so I watched it again with him and I think may- maybe having that, you know, that whole, that story of her, you know, connecting with herself through that performance at Coachella and being the first black woman to mm. headline Coachella and how how much care and attention and love she puts into what the the artists that she works with and the artists that she draws inspiration from. And that just kind of gave me it reinvigorated the idea of going into this album and looking at, you know, why is it that she wants to engage with these particular communities and you know particularly like black queer communities like what is it that she's trying to do with this and i think seeing the the response from a lot of people you know the tiktok dances have been just like the voguing the 
oh my god just absolutely like just really really pure expression and joy from people that are interacting with these songs and feel uplifted and feel represented and as though a part of their history is being brought to the mainstream in a way that I obviously can't you know connect to you know as as strongly but you know as, as a queer person I am I'm happy that this is something that Beyonce is, you know, dealing with mm -hmm. um, and uplifting and celebrating. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really happy that it clicked with me before the year was out, to be honest. So yeah, I got to include her. Great. Yeah. Um, we did an episode about the, I, the I samples. still hate Break My Soul though. Oh, do you? Oh, I really like it. Yeah, I still hate I it. I do like that. Yeah, no. For what I it is. I still yeah, skip it. Yeah, it's a pop song. It's a good song. Oh, good fun. I find it really boring really very boring okay. yeah really boring okay. yeah especially compared to the other songs on this record i'm like oh no it's so boring yeah there's but, lots of great songs um, in this um although that's okay. yeah, yeah so if you want a history of uh the actual samples we did a an episode of that mm. 182 episode 182 on the 99 podcast Beyonce's on samples black queer culture and dance music cover a lot of the samples there so you can have a listen to that mm. um yeah okay that's 10 albums each we did it we did Is that it. it we did it Woo! we did it well guys, done, guys. We did it. Well done. Yeah. If if you made it this far, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rather than pick, I think if you were to pick a single favorite album, would you be able to do it? Because I can tell you, mine is probably Rosalia. Rosalia and Big Thief. Yeah. I, I think Big Thief and C Map for me um, would be my two. Yeah, they'd be battling it out in terms of albums that defined my year. Those are the two. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm. All right. All right. Um, well, there's plenty there for anyone to uh, delve into. There's a Spotify playlist called uh, Songs Played on the 99 Podcast. You'll get these ones yeah. there as well if you're looking for more references or uh, the show notes for uh, all of the songs and references uh, that are listed. Um, yeah, best. I don't spoil it actually usually for the best of. So if you want the songs okay. specifically, have a look at the playlists. Um because you don't want to give okay. it away too quickly. Anyway, you want people to listen to it. So have a listen to it. And if you have any questions. I will be honest. I constantly forget that that playlist exists. Um, I keep it going. And like, honestly, fair play. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that it exists. So yeah. yeah, fair play for keeping it going. I must have a look. Podcast at nylernine.com for anyone who wants to email us about anything or suggestions or otherwise. If you're in the Discord, um, or if you're on the Patreon, hi. Um, <laughs> uh, we will. There's, there's a plan to have a little meetup at some point uh, this weekend at the Merchy Christmas. If anyone's going to that, uh, Merchy mm. Christmas on the Saturday. Um, so I hope that everybody has a lovely uh, week and uh, enjoys. The yeah, albums. we won't do our Christmas sign-offs yet because that's for next. Yeah, week. Yeah, next week we're, we're gonna emotional. come back and uh, do the Nine or Nine Podcast Awards. I think it's the fourth or fifth annual, maybe. I think it's the fourth annual podcast. Race. Very excited. Lovely. Um, it, oh, crucially, if anybody has any recommendations for categories and the winners of those categories, we would love to hear them. Podcast at neither9.com. You can email us or let us know in the Discord. I'll ask in the Discord during the week anyway. Um, but we'd love to get your input. And if you just have any anything you want to tell us before the year is out. Yeah. Um, get in touch with us um but yeah we'll see you next week for the we did get, podcast did we talk awards. about our, our the spotify rap thing that we got for i know everyone's probably over that but like no not our own I I the podcast one that was oh that was good. yeah 
Hi, everyone. Um, way more of you listen than I thought. <laughs> I love how you just pretend no one listens to the podcast. It's great. I, well, that's how I do the podcast. If I thought that anyone listened to it, I, I wouldn't, I would not be able to do it. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of you who listen and a lot of you outside of Ireland who listen. And yeah, hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening and thanks for sharing. Um, I think our most shared um, like avenue for people to share us is, is like WhatsApp. Yeah, that I'm was like, a wow, surprise. I, I didn't know that. It's amazing. But that's just like, on Spotify as well. So that's not like everything, yeah, but just that platform. That, yeah. That's just Spotify. But yeah, yeah. interesting. So yeah. If you've if you've listened to us or shared us or recommended us to anybody this year, thank you so much. Um, it really means a lot to us to have you listening, even though I pretend that you don't exist just for my own <laughs> mental mental stability. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, look, we'll do more of this next week. We'll gush next week. That's usually when I when I have my little cry. Yeah, about this community. Okay, but until then. Until then, this, is, this episode is long enough. Okay, we'll leave it there. Yeah. That's been our albums of 2022. Goodbye. Bye. Perfect. All right.